Welcome to the One Small Change podcast with me, Dr. Simon Chard. I'm a cosmetic dentist, public speaker and startup entrepreneur, but most importantly, I'm a lifelong disciple of self-improvement and optimization. In this podcast, we present conversations with world-class industry leaders, sharing their expertise in high performance, spirituality, business and health. It's my job to dissect their key behaviours, routines and mindsets so that you can implement them today to create balance and success in your life. Today's episode is brought to you by Enlightened Tooth Whitening. As a cosmetic dentist, I've used Enlightened to provide tooth whitening results for my patients since I qualified. And the reason that I always come back to Enlightened is they guarantee that B1 result that means my patients are always happy with the outcome. So if you're a dentist, I'd thoroughly recommend reaching out to Enlighten to do one of their free online training courses. And if you're a patient, have a chat with your dentist today about Enlighten Tooth Whitening or even look out for one of their regional centers of excellence. Let's get on with the show. Okay, cool. Hi team, welcome to the One Small Change podcast with me, Simon Chard. Today we have a YouTube sensation, presenter, model, author, and good friend of mine, Mr. Jim Chapman. So Jim, I'm, I'm going to kick off with, um, with going back to the beginning. I mean, I've, I've, I've given you a little intro there. It's quite hard to fit all of your attributes into one small intro um, with all of the different things that you're clearly so proficient at. Uh, I mean, you're, you, you clearly um, came into the, the public arena as a, as a YouTube sensation, millions of followers, millions of views. Doing my research on you, I mean, you've modeled for Hugo Boss, for Dolce & Gabbana, you've written for GQ, you've written your own book. Um, but I guess like everyone, you started at zero followers with, without all of these, these skills. Um, so what was your childhood like? I mean, were you, were you always confident? Were you always able to be, uh, to sort of jump from skill to skill or is it something that you've built on over time? Good first question. Um, no, I mean, listen, b- before we get into it, I'll just say that I have been making this up as I go along for the last 10 years. I've been very fortunate that, um, a lot of it's right place, right time. And then after that it's graft you go oh my god there's there's an opportunity here and you and you kind of work at it but you know when when people intro me like that it sounds incredible um but actually a lot a lot of it is just through sort of the skin of my teeth and going okay this is a thing now um my childhood though i was a really shy kid actually very shy i i didn't weirdly doing my job encouraged me to um to become less shy. I think I, I started at the very beginning and it was one of those things where as it started to grow a little bit, people became more and more interested. And the people that did what I did, especially at the beginning, were very shy. We had no friends, which is why we spoke to the internet because that wasn't what normal people were doing at the time. <laughs> because, you know, think back 10, 11, 12 years ago, who was doing that? It, it wasn't like yeah. most most people my age were out with their mates having a good time. I didn't really have many mates. So um, I made them on the internet. It just so happened that the more I did, the more I became confident. And then you start getting opportunities. And, you know, to begin with, very small opportunities. It's like, hey, come to London and have a meeting with me. Or here's a free T-shirt or, you know, whatever. Um, and it was a situation where I had to throw myself into it, sort of sink or swim. There's a bunch of people who were doing what I was doing when I first started who no longer exist in that way. No longer, you know, they, have, they haven't done what, what I've been lucky enough to do because 
I think they remained shy. Um, and I figured that I may as well just, you know, you know, just jump in and go for it. And, you know, since then, shyness is not something I, I've even really considered. I, I've presented things on the stage in front of thousands of people live on, on you know, the internet or TV or whatever. And um, it's, it's sort of two facets to me. There's my personal life where I am, again, again not shy anymore, but certainly a, a little more reserved. Or there's my business sort of professional side where I'll happily put the mic in my hand and go on stage without any material <laughs> and just sort of make stuff up it. because... I mean, I've had to do that on so many occasions because, you know, things go wrong backstage and they're like, like send Jim out, send him out. So I'm out there with a mic going, hi. Um, and you just kind of, it's, I don't know, you just sort of learn it, I think. And um, yeah, so growing up, my, my childhood was like, you know, uh, it was... Uh, I mean, if anyone's if anyone knows me, they'll probably already know this. There was domestic abuse in my in my, in my family. Um, my dad was he did some bad things, but I don't actually think it's one of those things that I don't wear it as a as a as a an excuse or a badge. I don't want sympathy for it. I mean, people endure much worse. Other people have very different experiences, which you know, people have perfect childhoods and still end up shy or with uh, mental health um, issues or, or whatever. You know, it, it's. This stuff shapes you, but it isn't entirely responsible for you, if that makes sense. So um, I never use it as like a, an excuse. In fact, it, the way I look at it now is it, it has taught me kind of in, a, in, a, in an opposite way. I, I often think, what would my dad not do <laughs> in this situation? <laughs> and so as a result, I've be kind of become, um, I've learned a lot from him, but almost in reverse, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that was part of my shyness because um, I know when I was when I was little, it was easier for me to keep my head down and not um, cause trouble because in my household. And I, I will just say, my dad was never violent towards me. Um, it was it was more my mum, but it was uh, the atmosphere, you know. Um, yeah. And I was quite, I was too young to really fully understand it all. So it certainly made me a little more reserved because I think it was easier to um, stay out of trouble. And I think the thing with my dad is that one minute he could be really lovely and the next minute just like that snap and be, um, you know, very, very unpleasant. And that's a sort of real unpredictability that is not good for um, anyone, but particularly children who are looking at, their parents as um you know the the source of uh, encouragement and warmth and um everything a parent does but also discipline and um a source of kind of what's right and wrong in the world and and, and it can really have an impact um and my dad left when i was like seven i think there was there was a lot of issues up until i was about nine or ten because um he didn't go quietly um <laughs> But after that, but you know, it had its mark. It left its mark on me. It wasn't until I started doing the internet, and that was when I was like twenty something, twenty one maybe, um, twenty two. I was became more confident um, because I was willing to sort of take a few chances and, and and jump in. I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, thanks for sharing that. I really appreciate it. I, I, yeah. I find it I find it fascinating to be honest with you that. Uh, 
from I mean I listen to a lot of podcasts I, I watch a lot of shows from people who I find inspirational so many people who have found themselves rising to the top of their own individual professions seem to have had some issue or incident in their early stages and uh, I mean I don't know what the evidence is to support any linkage there but it's clearly it's clearly left you with a with a certain skill set that you've and, and thankfully you've taken you've taken positives from it I think from the looks of it yeah well you know what it's it's both my 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 greatest asset and my worst enemy because my my thing is that when I have it under control so my mum's equally responsible for this as well because my mum well, it kind of has two different sort of meanings but they feed into themselves so when it was in regards to my dad it was a, it was basically keep your head down stay low avoid trouble but with regards to my mum she's very very motivated to the point where she's a martyr um like she'll do she's the most wonderful caring woman in the world but if she's got a job to be done it's done there and then and she won't like have any sort of um i don't know like lollygagging or any of that stuff she's just like nope gotta do it and she goes off and does it and that's something that i have in me as well so it's both my greatest strength because those two things combined keep me focused and driven and that's what makes me take advantage of opportunities also because when my dad left suddenly we had no money we had no um nowhere to live like we we had to move in with my my mum's best friend for a while and then my nan sort of loaned us she bought our house that we were living in it was tiny and you know we didn't have much so opportunities for me are like oh great I'm doing it but also it I kind of need to do it because if I'm not moving forward that's really uncomfortable for me I don't I don't like just sort of um existing um, and that's yeah. comes from both my mum sort of encouraging me well not encouraging me but that's that's the way she operates she's constantly stressed constantly sort of waiting for the next thing to do but also the idea that my dad was um unpredictable it was easier for me just to get on with stuff and keep my head down and be quite self-sufficient so I think it's it works really well in my favor but it gets really out of hand sometimes and I have really tough moments where I don't talk to anyone even Sarah my fiance because I'm too busy stressing about what I have to do next or like I, I can't sit still I'm always doing something um and yeah. that's good because it's constantly you know it's got me to where I am because I, I get to explore the world when the world's not on fire um and I get to do <laughs> you know incredible things to my job but equally I don't sometimes get to enjoy it and bring, pick my head up and go Jesus Christ I just did a thing that was amazing uh, because I'm it's only recently actually as I'm getting a bit older and I think covid has taught me this like you don't you don't always have to be constantly going we've all been kind of on this enforced inactivity for a while and i found myself scrolling through my um my camera roll looking at old photos and going oh my god i forgot that i did that i walked for dolce and gabbana or i hosted this thing for that brand in shanghai and it was huge and you know it was all me with the mic doing the thing and i've interviewed you know every a-list you can think of and I, I don't think of that until I look back at it and go wow give yourself some credit Jim that's really cool because I'm too busy thinking about the next thing and worrying about what um where it's all going to go so yeah it's great but it's also um kind of uh overwhelming sometimes I think if it wasn't for the way my mind works I wouldn't be at the level I'm at now but I also probably would enjoy <laughs> being at the level I would otherwise achieve yeah. much more. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I, you, it's literally like me talking. Like I have exactly the same thought process in my own head. I've talked right. to Megan, my wife, about it. 
Um, and she's like, so you don't need to always be looking to the next thing. You don't need to be looking for the next project. You don't need to be the best at everything. You don't need to have the best of everything. Um, yeah. and, and I do think there is an element of just progression for the sake of progression. And sometimes you need to, right. as, you, as, as I completely agree, COVID has done, enforce a pause and, and allow you to actually look around and, and look at how uh, how lucky you are and how grateful you should be for where you are currently. But I mean, what's your hundred percent? Do you have you have you managed to vis- or have you managed to frame in your own mind what your what your goal is? Do you have a goal, or is it just the journey that is um, is the important thing for you? Um, yeah, uh, this is going to sound really really wanky, but my goal is contentment. <laughs> um, <laughs> Just because, like, you know, I, I, my, my life is very charmed. You know, I, I've got a really cool job, and my job is basically my life. I share it. I get, you know, and, and because I share my life, I get to do really cool things for it. So um, that box is ticked. You know, I drive around in, in a, a car that's loaned to me by Mercedes just because they want to, you know, it makes sense that I get to drive around in a, in a car, but also get to share that I'm driving around in their car. So, you know, I... It, I, I, I live in a, in a nice place and I, get, I haven't bought clothes for years because it just arrives at me. So, you know, it's, it's wonderful on the outside looking in. You know, it's really great. Uh, and even on the inside looking in, it's really great sometimes. But it's also, um, it, it's, uh, it, it can be a lot sometimes, you know, because you constantly feel like you have to owe people things and uh, this whole world that I live in is kind of fiction and it's all like a barter system you know it's like hey promote my thing and do this whatever um so my my goal actually is not stuff I I, I've been like like I said I, I I've been very fortunate with the amount of stuff that I have and the the things that I own and you know the 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 places I've been actually that doesn't really interest or excite me anymore yeah there are loads of perks to it and it's wonderful to say not have to pay for my car that's absolutely incredible and it's um you know the the people at mercedes are also really really lovely people and it's just a uh a uh a setup synergistic relationship right absolutely um and those things are are wonderful right but i'm not bothered about um stuff for the sake of stuff if it doesn't help me in my life anymore I, I like I don't need I say no to so many freebies now because I just don't have the space for them and I don't require that much opulence so my goal actually is a family um I I'm aware that what I do for a living is really really cool but it is just what I do for a living it's not no more than that it's not it doesn't define me as a human being it doesn't um go any further than it being a very wonderful career that I've been very fortunate to do for the last 10 years. Um, my, my goals, uh, I, I want to have kids. I want to live in, um, a house, uh, that has space for kids to grow up in and a little garden. And I want to get a dog and, um, Sarah and I getting married soon, all that. Um, it's, I, I, I think sometimes it takes, excess to realize that that is not what you need at all so um yeah it's it's again i think covid has helped teach me this you know there's no point having all fancy clothes if you're stuck in the house all the time right and and that's kind (laughs) of that's kind of what i sort of want in a way not being stuck in the house all the time but not um having to show off 
my stuff you know yeah yeah absolutely i think i think definitely having a child has completely changed my outlook on on what what i'm aiming for uh it, right. it, it shifts i know I mean, it's cliche but it does it does change everything to be honest with you mm-hmm. so um cool well let's um let's move on a little bit to um to a topic that i'm mainly selfishly asking you because it's something that i struggle with and i'm really interested to know your feelings on it um so i've got a a modest following on social media um Mm -hmm. and i I have a fairly high profile within my own industry of dentistry um and with that comes a lot of uh trolling um a lot of sort of negativity from individuals who who've never met me um and even yesterday uh, a a chap that i know who we chat a lot on uh, on instagram he was sending me a really lovely audio note about the first podcast episode and uh, he said yeah all, all of my a lot of my friends who i quite respect used to speak really negatively and disrespect you um so i've actually stopped being friends with them now which was actually really nice but it was kind of a sort of a double-edged sword for me but uh, you have millions of followers millions of views you I mean, doing my research on you, there's hundreds of articles on you in a variety of different topics, relationships and family and and all sorts. Um, How do you deal with the trolling? Have you got an incredibly thick skin? Because I feel like we're really similar. So I don't know if you do, but you you obviously do. (laughs) I've learned, I've grown a thick skin. It's like, it's it's like a big scab now, my skin. (laughs) It's just like... Incredibly, like a Komodo dragon. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's just super thick, and yeah. But I, I would say that, yeah. All right, okay. I know I've got more followers than you and everything, but in your world, you are equally as famous as I am, right? Um, it's just that mine is much more general and and more, um, I guess, far-reaching. But in the world of dentistry, you're the guy. Like everyone knows who you are. I went to get my before you did my um, cosmetic bonding thing. Um, I went to get the hygienist. And uh, I mentioned that I was getting it done, and they asked who by, and they, they knew who you were. And I was like, other den- like I didn't know dentists knew other dentists, dentists especially because like, they were, you know, it in was it London was in probably. the other side of London, and you know, right, yeah. And um, you know, you're you're, I, and I I think you know, heavy is the head that wears the crown, basically, because you are, um, you know, an important figure in your world, there are always going to be people who disagree with you. It's, it's politics. It's the same as, you know, um, I'm trying to think, like Boris Johnson, Donald Trump, whatever, um, right or wrong, there's always going to be people who disagree with them. I mean, I, I disagree with them. A good but, politician. <laughs> right. There's always gonna be, you're just going to divide opinion if, if you hold a certain place in your realm and there's also so much jealousy and i found it a lot in my career so when i first started doing this there weren't many people there was probably about 10 of us in the uk who were like um the only ones and it was really fun because we were young and we were like traveling around places and um everything we did kind of turned to goals and it was like just so exciting and it was the very beginning of social media and like i really felt like i was at the forefront of something but there was like a bit of a vacuum then. So it was us guys. And then there was a bunch of people watching, but not creating content. They were just enjoying what we were doing. Suddenly there was a massive influx of influencers because they're like, wait, I see Jim and all of his friends just living their lives. And they've got a camera and they just upload things to the internet. I could do that. And the fact is, anyone can do it. Absolutely anyone can do it. That's that's the the joy of of doing this. It's It's open to anyone. And unlike, say, TV or traditional media where... 
you need to impress you know the, the right people in order to get on screen our audience are the casting directors they pick who is successful just by watching them because the more views they get the more they appear in the algorithm etc um and so suddenly there was an influx of these new influencers um and with that came people doing it for the wrong reasons i i believe because like i say when we first started doing it it was just like oh my god we weren't expecting this this is fun let's run with it yeah but there was people who came on board who were like oh i see that jim is now get getting flown to la or he's doing this thing with those people and i want to work with this brand and he was like he's earning good money now i want some of that so suddenly there were people doing it for um, fame and fortune, which, you know, if that's your goal, great. It's, it's, it's not for me to tell people that they're doing things right or wrong. I just think that's not, not, that wasn't the impetus behind me and some of my friends when we started. But along with that came lots of hate as well, because as it suddenly gets more saturated, there are more opinions to be had and there are more, it becomes slightly more, um, more mainstream it was just less underground then like social social media is now not in its infancy anymore um you know and people suddenly from just supporting you for having loads of fun were like wait a minute now this is your job like when it becomes monetized they i think they there's an element of jealousy but also an element of um the audience policing you and i think they should police you because you know we're fortunate enough to be put in a situation in the first place where this becomes our career. We can't then lose sight of who we are and take it for granted and um, get carried away by the money that's thrown at you. And that's part of the reason I think I've been doing this for so long because I've always had a pretty good, um, a pretty good uh, view of what will work and won't work. And sometimes brands get in touch with me and I'm like, no, like the, the money is not worth the chip at my integrity for that. And my audience yeah. won't respond to it. So I can't do it. Whereas others will be like, yeah, 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 pay up. Um, and so they tend to not do it for as long because their audience go, I'm, I'm sick of you. I can't trust you anymore. I don't really believe what you're sort of selling me. Uh, and that's where the hate comes in. I think when it becomes something that you are, you know, uh, monetizing or in your instance, when you're an expert or something, by being an expert or something, you are, opening yourself up to um, opinions that, you know... Contradict I, I don't know. I, I don't know anything about dentistry, but I'm sure there are multiple ways to clean your teeth, for example. And you might go, that's how I clean people's teeth. And other people go, no, actually, I'm, the, I'm a different dentist to you, and I clean them this way. And they might both have their pros and cons, but just because someone believes that they're doing it, you know, their way is better than you, they, they can be... Um... Here's the way I see it. On the internet opinion becomes fact and we see it a lot in like you know um in trump land at the moment he believes that the um uh the um election was was fraudulent and that was you know you know all the all this stuff suddenly he's tweeting it and then to his people that's fact because he's just decided it is um which is why i'm very careful with my content to sort of say either i'm doing something from an expert's point of view. So if I'm talking about fashion, for example, because I've earned my stripes there, I'll happily say, you know, I know my stuff. Equally, fashion is very subjective, so I don't want to force it on anyone. If, however, I'm baking in my kitchen, I can't bake. So the whole point is that's the adventure. I'm never going to tell someone how to bake a cake. I'm going to go, here's me having a go at baking a cake. If you like watching me struggle in the kitchen, enjoy. Um, yeah. And I think when people suddenly express an opinion on the internet, it becomes factual and there's so much stuff that if i scroll through my instagram i see things all the time i'm like that just isn't right it's factually incorrect but because you've said it that way people now think it's right and that's just yeah. 
you know that's what people yeah, believe. I, I, imagine, so, I imagine I imagine you have to let a lot of that, a lot of those comments go. <laughs> so many. The other day I responded to one. Typically I, I don't because I just don't. It doesn't bother me. But I responded to one the other day because I'm wearing my mask. Yeah, yeah I, and I it really wound me up. <laughs> I was wearing my mask outside, and someone was like, "Oh my god, you're brainwashed." It's really not like Jim. It's really not like Jim to snap at someone like that. <laughs> well, it, it just drove me nuts because. I haven't seen my family for, you know, nearly a year now, and nor has anyone else, because, we're, you know, we're all in this bloody pandemic together. I was wearing my mask outside on the street because I'm trying to be as careful as possible. Um, and Sarah and I were going for our walk to get our exercise in, and I posted a picture on my Instagram, and someone was like, oh, you're brainwashed, you're wearing your mask outside. And my response was, listen, if I'm wearing my mask outside and it does nothing, then, oh, hello. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> so... My response was this, I was like, you know, if I'm wearing my mask outside and it does nothing, then all right, I might have looked a little bit silly um, or I might be a little bit uncomfortable. But if it does, in fact, stop me from passing a virus that I might be carrying or, or catching a virus that someone else might be carrying, then I potentially saved infecting countless people. Right. So what's what's the risk to me? What's the harm in me wearing a mask? It's the same as like. Someone was having a conversation with me recently about racism in football and, and taking the knee and everything. And they were like, I don't need to take the knee, so I don't want, so I'm not going to. I'm like, yeah, but it's not about that. Like, you taking a knee is a very small act that requires very little sacrifice from you, literally just bending down. And all you're doing is supporting a movement by doing that. By not doing that, just because you don't want to expend those extra two calories it takes to bend down, <laughs> you're sort of doing the opposite and you know it just makes no sense to me i just think i think i think what it it comes comes to to is like it's 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 people not wanting to be told what to do that's 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 what it always is with everything i think it's the same it's the same with taking a knee in the football game it's the same with wearing a mask people just don't like being told what to do even if it's in their best interest or in the best interest of society as a whole i think um yeah yeah i mean general public can be um and there's, there's, you're always going to find the outliers who are very vocal about their position, right? Yeah, yeah. I, and I think it's also one of those things where this person will be fed that more and more in their content because they'll talk about anti-masking. So because that's then in their like their search history, that's what then gets sent to them more. So everything they are then seeing on, online supports their viewpoint that masks are terrible. So of course they're going to believe that because that's what the internet is constantly giving them. Yeah. Um and I, I, I think just sort of letting them know that I'm choosing to wear a mask on the off chance it might do some good because it certainly won't do any harm, whichever way we cut it. What's the problem? Um, I think it was really important to me. So I, I actually I screenshot it and put it on my Instagram stories and was like, why? Just put your bloody mask on because we're trying to save the bloody planet. And like there are so many people dying from this. Um, and not only that like I, I the the impact is having on everyone's mental health the but i don't think we can overest uh, over like overemphasize the power of boredom i think because everyone's doing nothing at the moment they're stuck in their house in the same four walls like i'm privileged that i've got a bit of a garden and space but if i was to live in a really small flat like a, like a high rise or something and i've only got a couple of windows and i've got kids around me that's really really stifling so the sooner we can get this thing sorted the sooner people can get some fresh air and do something that's a change. Because I think the, the, the power of boredom is, is, is massive and really negative. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, that segues me on quite nicely to a topic that 
I wanted to speak to you about, which is mental health. Um, it's a topic that is very important to me. Uh, I let, I've lectured to, to dentists in the past about it because it's, it's a problem that's very prevalent in our industry. I've seen that you've been very vocal about your own mental health, and I know you did um, some work, I think, with Gillette for Movember on, around mental health as well back in November. Um, so that was really cool. But, I mean, mental health, it's, it's obviously a topic that's important to you. Have you struggled with it yourself in the past? How have you managed it? Yeah, it's something that um, I have no issues talking about, uh, which I think is less rare now, but it wasn't when I first started um, talking about it. It's never really crossed my mind that it should be a, a massively taboo subject because, you know, I go to a, a fairly dark place sometimes. I've been seeing a therapist for seven or eight years and, and really? without her, I don't think I would be, I don't know if I, if, if I may be exaggerated by saying I don't know if I'd be here anymore but I was in a very very bad place um and it you know that whether I'd be here or not I would be miserable I can guarantee you that um really and like I said at, at, at the beginning I, I I um have to constantly be moving if ever I feel any sort of stagnance it really sets me off and I remember working before before doing this I worked in um, insurance I worked in retail I was just kind of trying to find whatever my calling would be and I was so so low um and I never want to feel that way again it was just really truly miserable um and I wondered what the point was you know and I was like why am I here what do I accomplish what am I achieving what is next is this just my life now um and, and you know what it's different for everyone obviously for me um working in the job I was in I could see progression and I knew that I would, before I know it, be a manager, then I'd be the area manager. And, you know, if I just sort of did my time, that would be my, my, um, my path ahead of me. And for a lot of people, that's totally fine. That's, that's what they want. They want that security and they want that, um, um, that growth. But for me, because I think my mind works in a slightly different way and I, it felt like prison, um, I was like, I can't just keep doing this. I was very fortunate that I, that I discovered what I do at the time I did um, because it had potential had it not been for that I would be doing something else anyway because I, I couldn't maintain what I was uh, the, the jobs I was doing because they, they, they just weren't weren't the place for me but it, it had a massive impact on my mental health and, and even now my job is so varied and so um versatile and so um like wonderful I still get it I have to keep it under under control all the time like it's, you're never suddenly just cured you know but it's, I, I, because I've had enough therapy, I'm really good now going, okay, I'm recognising the signs. I need to go easy on myself or I need to go push a little harder here and I need to sort of twist that, turn this, you know, think slightly differently. Um, and even so, it still gets on top of me. And I still, I, you know, I, I still talk to my therapist typically once a month-ish. Um, but if I'm having a, a slightly tough time or if um, something big is happening in my life, then I'll do it once a week or something. Um, really? Because it's it's... You know, you, 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 you cannot put a price on um, the thoughts you think and the, the impact it has. Like, like, I'm very fortunate that what I do ended up becoming what it is. But had it not, I would still be doing it because I would still be happier creating content and making stuff as opposed to working in the, the job that just was not right for me. I have all, like absolute credit for people who um 
who do that sort of job and and it satisfies them because I kind of wish I was one of those people in a way in that you know what you're getting paid every month you know what your job is you know it's it's structured it's safe it's secure and it sounds wonderful to me in reality that's just not the way actually my my brain works it it feels um like a like I'm locked in and so I so I kind of have I'm almost not cut out for my job, but I also have to do it in that doing my job has no security. It's, it's just luck and opportunities and, and saying yes to the right things at the right time, the, you know, the whole way through. Um, and it could all just come crashing down in a heartbeat. Uh, but I would still rather take that risk than be in a, in a, in a situation that doesn't fulfill me. I think that's kind of what it's about. It's about fulfillment. And if you are fulfilled by, um, an office job or if you're feel fulfilled by being uh, you know something that I do or by whatever it is whatever your, your passion is I think that's that's kind of what it comes down to and um, I know that it has absolutely changed my life um, 100% and perhaps even saved my life you know it's it's it, I, I don't think it's something I can kind of emphasize enough and because of that because I have such a big platform and because I've experienced it and continue to experience it it's something I feel almost obliged to talk about because the amount of people actually a lot of men as well men typically are much less open um will get in touch with me and and tell me that you know they've they've listened to something I've said or they've watched a video of mine or something and because I've been open enough to discuss it they've gone actually really resonated and I have decided to make a change or it was just nice to hear another man talk about it in a way that was so open and honest and you know it's made me feel more more confident to have that discussion and I think that's you can't get much more important than that to me absolutely and I think that to be honest with you that's one of the main reasons that I started this podcast is and it's one of the main reasons that I've chosen the guests that I have done because I think for us and for people of our age and and uh and with profiles, it's it's the mo- it's one of the most important things that we can we can talk about because I, I get exactly the same messages. And the mad thing is, it's always from people that you just would never have expected. People who look from the outside to be incredibly successful, lovely family, lovely life, everything that society would have us believe is is what we should all be striving for. And yet, those same individuals internally are, are struggling with such hardships. Um, and certainly for me, I mean, I've spoken quite frankly about my, my anxieties in the past. Um, and um, I'm lucky that it's never got probably quite as severe as, as from what you're describing. Um, but uh, it's certainly been pretty bad. And um, yeah, I think the more I talk about it, actually, it's, it's almost therapeutic for myself. I'd, I'd love to dive in more into the therapy thing, because it's, it's, it's definitely something that I've thought about in the past, not because I've had like an acute mental health issue but more because i want to almost like going to the gym to maintain strength i want to build that mental strength with an expert like having a pt um so how did you how did you find your therapist how did you choose a therapist like that's that's what i've always that's been the barrier for me is i don't just want to google therapist in surrey because god knows what you'll what you'll end up finding so how did you choose yours you know what, I've been really, really fortunate with mine in that it was um, kind of like a, a one-hit wonder. The first person I, I, I spoke to is excellent, and I have 
she's now really, she's now really full because I have passed her on to four or five people and they've passed her on to people too because she's just really, really excellent at her job. But I would, I would absolutely say that not every therapist is right for every person. I've got, oh God, all the guys I know, all of my friends that are my age, every single one of them, in fact, bar one, um, who I think needs to but won't, <laughs> um, all talk to a therapist because really? That's it's fascinating. hard. It's hard being a man in your late late 20s, early 30s, or any time really, because the world has changed around us. And I remember even my sister, so I've got a sister who's 10 years older than me, so she's 43, right? Even for her, she really broke the mould when she decided to do social media stuff too. In fact, she, she predates me um, doing it all. Um, because, you know, people typically found a craft or a job and they stuck with it and they just sort of saw it through right and now we're in a world where you can chop and change and you can do whatever your heart desires providing you work at it and you you know you, you commit to it and whatever and you can change career just halfway through because you fancy it that's that's a fairly new phenomenon and i think for people like us it's sort of like uh it's it's a weird thing to experience one you've got the freedom of not having to be stuck in one thing but also you've got the terror of choice and like what if you do this wrong and what if you what if you make that commitment and it isn't what you want to do after all and then you've got to start again somewhere else and there's so much doubt and there's so much worry and there's so much concern about um it's choices that we wouldn't have had to make 30 40 years ago you know um and so i think it's no wonder that 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 pretty much everyone um has something going on whether they, whether it's that detrimental or not i think we we every every person my, my therapist always calls it a lifeboat so every person is on the same sea right we're all we're all in the same world floating along on the same sea sometimes there's storms that come sometimes it's, it's plain sea but the boat you're in um it depends on how sort of water tight it is and when i first started seeing her mine was like a little um, it was a raft. It was the one on the, the one that Jack couldn't fit on on the Titanic, uh, and I was Jack. Um, but actually, you know what? Now it, it, I, I feel like it's you can't control what happens to the ocean, right? But w what you can do is make sure that you have a robust enough boat that can weather the storm. That's, that's kind of the metaphor, right? Um, and I fully recommend everyone talks to therapists, even if it's just mental admin, right? Like you said, it's, it's like going to the gym. I know she's there when I need her when I have an issue or a crisis, but I also talk to her every month anyway, just to go over things, just to vent to someone that is impartial. And she's very impartial and super honest with me. And she'll just be like, what are you talking about? Or she'll be really sort of... Um, uh, maybe sympathetic is the wrong word. She, she'll, never, she'll never bullshit me. Um, and even when I'm going through an actual tough time where there's real drama and trauma in my life or something, she'll never just be like, oh, bless you. You know, she, she will challenge me and she, she's very kind. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, she's, she's not a battle axe by, by any means. She's just a, she's got a really wonderful way about her where she's honest, um, but compassionate without being, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Without being sort of too... <laughs> yeah, or Molly coddling you, or you know. Um, so she's she's great. I, I've been very fortunate, but a friend of mine recently was going through a tough time. So I was like, mate, speak to someone because I I, I found myself being this guy where, where where my friends come to me and go, "Am I having a problem?" And I think they they often expect me to help them. And I'm not a therapist. I've got no idea. But I would just apply the same rules 
to me, to everyone else. And that is absolutely the wrong thing to do, right? Because the way I think is not the same way that anyone else thinks. And I know with me and Sarah, for example, the things that set me off are the opposite things to her. So you can't just give everyone the same advice. So I'm always like, you need to speak to someone who actually knows their stuff. But he's tried to and didn't get along with one of them. They just didn't seem to like get him. Um, and the other one, um, again, it just wasn't quite the right fit. And it's so important that you have that, um, you have that fit. You have that kind of, um, almost like a spark. You just, you, you, you need to, um, want to take this person's advice or want to have them listened to your issues, um, and want to just get you, understand you. And if they don't, then find someone else because, you know, therapy isn't free and, there's no point in you spending your money on someone who isn't going to um, actually help. I, I, I'm of the opinion that we should all <laughs> have a therapist. Um, I just yeah. think it, it, it's, it should be something that is just sort of um, not innate, but like just provided. However, finding the right one it, it is tricky. And I know there's still a stigma about it. And I just don't think there should be. It's, it's the same, like you say, same as having a personal trainer. The same as having a dentist, you know, <laughs> I yeah, get you to look after my teeth, but you wouldn't have a clue about how to fix my brain. So <laughs> it, it, it's, it's the, having the, the right professional who knows their stuff for, for the right kind of part of your body, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, that's really, that's really interesting, mate. Thank you for sharing that. I mean, does your therapist give you homework? I mean, does she, are, are, there, are there certain things that she gives you to implement into your your daily routine or anything like that or are there things that you just naturally build into your daily routine because you know that's going to create more balance for you it's a little of both um and i will say when you when you start seeing a therapist to begin with it is really hard because it takes time like i say i've been doing it for eight years and i'm still i still struggle with it i still have to almost physically remind myself to behave or, or think this way not that way because that's what's healthy and that's just what I've been doing for all this time and it feels right but actually it's rubbish um yeah. and so there's a point where you become aware when you first start seeing a therapist well, it, with me anyway I first started seeing my therapist and suddenly I was made aware of all these things that I was doing wrong or not necessarily wrong but I was doing in the way that I had learnt um throughout my whole life and it had th- the way that I had actually up until that point kept me out of trouble like I said keeping my head down and making sure I was moving and it, only when that's gets out of control is it suddenly a problem so I found myself aware of this thought process that I've always had that had always been my best friend suddenly was making me unwell you know and it's really hard to know that what you've been doing all this time isn't the best thing for you suddenly you're aware of it but you can't control it because that's just the way your mind works and it's the way you have been from you know, since you developed that strategy and then punishing yourself constantly. Cause you're like, I don't need, I shouldn't be thinking like this. I shouldn't be thinking like this. Like I've been told that this is wrong, but you can't do anything about it until you've got, got enough groundwork behind you to change that and shift it. Right. So there's a point at the beginning where you just feel not only, um, in my instance, sort of depressed and, and, and anxious and worried and concerned the whole time, but then also punishing myself for feeling that way because I knew I shouldn't. I knew there was a better way of doing it. I just didn't know how to make that change. So you have to kind of push through that bit. And then once you do, you feel so much more in control and 
confident. And like I say, I still struggle with it now, but at least I know if I'm having a moment and if it does get the better of me still, I'm like, I will come out the other side. I will in a few days be okay again. And also I know that when I can feel it coming on, nine times out of 10, I can nip it in the bud and go, right, I can feel that. That's a sign. Focus on that, Jim. Change this. And then it takes a bit of conscious effort and I'm like, okay, right. Well, that's out of my way now. Um, so it's... It's tricky. It is tricky. But yeah, there are things that she's, teach, she's taught me to do that were very conscious decisions where it's like, right, if ever you feel this, this is not, that's old stuff. That's the old gym. That's the things that we don't want anymore. You need to really focus. You need to twist it and you need to do this. Um, and so that's kind of the conscious element of it. But actually a lot of it is the more you speak to them, the more it just sort of goes in, the more realizations. And I, I found the most satisfying thing when I'm speaking to her is when I beat her to the punch, you know, she's telling me something and I kind of go, Oh my God, I know where you're going with this. And I go, that's because of this, isn't it? She's like, yeah, you yeah. got it. And that for me is like a moment. I'm like, Oh my God, I'm fixed. <laughs> and obviously I'm not, but it, when you have those sort of revelations, it's so satisfying to almost like beat your brain and go, right, I've got the better of you now. I know how to function and be like happy and good. And I don't constantly have to be, this way because I've just told my brain I didn't have to and it, and they went yeah. oh my god yeah that's great so yeah. so it's more, it means, it's, more uh, it's more mental frameworks than anything yeah 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 it, and, it, and it's work and it, it's it's hard and it's probably probably one of the hardest things you'll, you'll ever do but it's so satisfying when you get it right and it's so like wonderful that uh, you know when you feel a moment of just pure happiness and zen you're like oh god life's great you know yeah. and yeah things set you off and challenges happen and lockdown at the moment is being a ball ache because I have had mental breakdowns every five minutes because I can't be like, oh my god I want to go and see a friend but I can't or you know I miss my mum but I can't go see her or I just crave something new to do so I'm you know all of us constantly having things come at us you know in every shape and form at the moment but having a good um sort of framework is enough for me to go I've got this under control take a deep breath you know you know you know what you're doing now yeah, it's, it sounds very similar. I'm reading a book at the moment uh, called Radical Acceptance from Tara Breck. Um, and it's sort of a, a Buddhist type uh, book around radical acceptance for everything. So if, if you're having that feeling of depression, just accept it, let it let it wash over you. And, and just like the cars going past, you can just watch them drive by. You don't need to be completely absorbed by them. Um, mm -hmm. that, that sort of framework has been really, really powerful for me at the moment because those uh those big rain clouds keep on coming through don't they and if you uh if you get wrapped up with them then it can be quite um it can be a downward spiral very quickly i think totally i think i, I i'm almost like an accidental buddhist in that i didn't know this <laughs> I don't know I'm for a book. <laughs> i've got i do have this sort of acceptance in me i don't necessarily believe in fate or um uh you know, all this sort of hocus pocus mumbo jumbo that a lot of people kind of put on things. I mean, it may well exist. I don't believe in it. Um, and I think that's actually really satisfying. One, one of the, the, the best things for me was realizing that I don't matter. And it sounds ridiculous, but hear me out. I do matter to the people. I matter to Sarah. I matter to my family. But my audience, the people who have given me the career, it's very easy to believe that you're the center of the universe right because my my job is me I share my own myself constantly I've got all my people commenting about me all the time it's super easy to believe my own hype but actually it occurred to me when I was talking to my therapist that if I were to die tomorrow there'd be a few people 
through my audience would go, oh my God, that's awful. I really, really liked him. And my, my family and, my, and Sarah would be devastated. But the rest of my audience would go, oh, that's a shame. I liked him. And then they'd move on and then find someone else. Like, I am not that important to all of these people. And when you realise that, it's so freeing. It's so wonderful to go, oh my God, this is, this is actually really cool because it's lovely to have them and I really respect them and I um, value them. But equally, if I were to stop doing this, just re- retire tomorrow, they'd all be all right. <laughs> you know, I'm not that important to them. And yeah. it's the same with things like, I'm quite accepting about, if ever I have like an interpersonal crisis, um, like a work problem or an issue with a friend or something. I don't, my, my, my last relationship, you know, we, I, I ended up getting a divorce. I don't need closure and I don't need to have the last word. And I'm, I don't believe in like karma or fate or any of that. I think people just behave in a way they behave. The, the, the world may turn around and it may well come back to bite them or it may not. It doesn't matter to me because I'm now free of that situation and because of that I've managed to stay friends with people that I otherwise would have not because I just accept that they're in their lifeboat the same way I'm in mine they've got their own mental processes so everyone's going to justify the way they behave and to them that justification makes sense and just because it doesn't to me it doesn't mean I'm right so I think I have this real way of um just almost letting letting things go and accepting and being all right with stuff um I'm much less all right with my own stuff, but with other people and with the world in general, I don't believe it's geared up in my favour or against me. I think it's just very neutral and stuff happens. And my my, my nan passed away um, a couple of weeks ago. She was 95 and it wasn't COVID. It was just an accident. She just fell. And it's heartbreaking because I haven't seen her for so long because of the situation. Yeah. But I don't feel like was always me I don't feel like do you know what I actually said to my family when it happened I, I called my mum and was like you know what she was 95 so it was going to happen sooner or later and we all knew that but also what a way to live you know she was fortunate enough that she just went you know she didn't feel any pain anything like that um and she was so well loved by all of her family she had six children all of which have kids and grandkids and great grandkids and etc um everyone adored her and she knew that and she gave so much love and what a way to live you know like if anything I just sort of thought well you know she's no longer with us and it sucks but people do have to go and what a if, if you're gonna go that's the way right to be cut be surrounded by love um even though she was on her own she was never lonely um and and I think that's a really wonderful outlook to have you know if 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 when you go you know you're loved what else can you ask for completely agree I mean, interesting question, but do you, do, you, do you fear death yourself? It doesn't sound like you do based on what you just said. Uh, I mean, I don't want to die in a, in a hurry. I quite like being <laughs> around. Um, I don't know if I necessarily believe there's anything else afterwards. I think we just kind of matter and it, yeah, whatever. But I totally believe in the legacy. I totally believe that I will have, um, hopefully by then I've got kids and they're excellent people that I've created and it goes down the line and, you know, they continue making excellent people. Um, but yeah, I don't think I'm, oh, I'm, I'm scared of like the, the act of dying. I think I really, like my, my, my stepdad passed away from, from cancer and it was just awful to see cause he was the best guy. 
and to watch him just sort of deteriorate was so sad. I think I, I would rather, like everyone, you know, if I had the option, it would just be over like that in some way. And no, I don't think I'm scared of, of that. I just, I, I'd rather it was, um, I'd rather live a full happy life first, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, t- talking about longevity, I, I'm, I'm obsessed with things that we can do to enhance our lives and, and extend our lives uh, in the most healthy way possible. So exercise is a, is a big part of that for me. And uh, I think it is for you as well. How how have you been managing with lockdown? What have you been What have you been up to? Have you Have you got a little home gym set up there, or have you Have you let it slip? I let it slip a bit. Um, so <laughs> first, first lockdown, we were um, we, we ended up being at Sarah's parents in the Cotswolds. We just happened to be there when lockdown was announced, and we we're like, okay, <laughs> we live here now. Then yeah. so we lived there for it must have been what ten weeks or something. And I don't know if you remember then it, earlier in the year the weather was gorgeous. So. I took up running and I hate running. I ran the marathon in like 2016 and and did my knee in and was like, I really don't enjoy it. But sun was out and it was just like nice. So I started running like 16 kilometers just because there's nothing else to do. And I was like, oh my God, I'm a runner now. Who knew? (laughs) Um, And uh, I did like lots of, um, I'm really into boxing. So I bought a a punch bag and I put it in there in a garden. So I did that when the sun was out and actually was really into fitness. Came back to London um, and it's slightly more oppressive. And then when this lockdown happened, obviously it's, it's December, January, you know, it's January now. So it's cold and miserable. So I kind of got a bit skinny fat, <laughs> my, <laughs> my body very quickly. Like I, I'm naturally really slim. Like my, my body, I'm six foot three. And if I don't do any workout, I sit at around 78 kilos, which is not heavy. It's quite light for someone my yeah. size. Um, and I just, I, I really struggle to, to put weight on, but what I do get is quite like fluffy. I think being having the body type I have, it's really good to be lean um, because I'm never going to be big, so I may as well try and get like ripped. But I just noticed that I get a bit like, and I just didn't care for a while. I was like, oh well, whatever. It's locked down. I can't move anyway, so let's just kind of keep piling carbs in. And then uh, um, my New Year's resolution was to like get back on it. So I I uh, have been doing. I'm not so good at at home workouts. I feel like I need to be out of my environment to get a good session in. Um, one of the ways I've been doing that is on the Oculus Rift, which is wild, oh, yeah. but it's like a, you know, it's a thing. Um, and the there's a boxing thing. app on it where, yeah, yeah. There's like, there's like a, a, um, a boxing game on it, which is like, um, like guitar hero. You have to hit the, the right beats at the right time, but you punch at the right time. And I tell you what, I can burn like 700 calories on that in, in like 45 minutes. It's really good. Wow. Um, but it does sit on your face. So it's uncomfortable. Um, so I've also been going outside and like skipping in the park. Um, we, I've got some like a set of weighted skipping ropes. So you go from, they go from light to heavy. So it's good to sort of mix things up. And oh, nice. yeah, I've been doing well, that. It's really you know a brand though, though? They're by a brand called Cro- uh, Cross Rope, but I've got them like two or three years ago and my friend of mine just went, hey, I want these, can I get them? So I sent them a link and apparently they can't deliver to the UK at the moment because of um, uh, not not COVID, the other one, Brexit. <laughs> they, can't, <laughs> they can't deliver because of like, you know, all, all the stuff. So I think they'll, they'll get that sorted, but they're brilliant. I've had them for like two or three years and you get, you know, a light one, like a medium, a slightly heavier and a heavy one. So it like, really keeps your, keeps your workout versatile. And it's like, you know, you get an app with it, so you get different workouts. So oh, I nice. was out there yesterday, about 45 minutes, burnt 700 calories, just sort of skipping away and watching the, watching the world go by. Um, and it's really important, one, for a bit of fresh air, but two, I 
like that rush of like endorphins you get really change my mood like yesterday for example i had a bit of an anxious day i spent the day going oh i'm not feeling so good and i don't know why it just feels a bit like there's some there's a weight on me um dragged myself to do a workout because the thing about it is when you feel that way you don't want to work out you know everyone's like oh just you know you're feeling a bit low go do a workout like it's going to fix everything and the issue is getting yourself to work out which is like i don't yeah. feel the energy i don't feel the need i don't want to i want to just curl up so i dragged myself because i knew that if i didn't i'd feel shit all day um and actually burnt a bunch of calories got some fresh air watched people walking in the park and um managed to at least tolerate the rest of my day after that <laughs> so uh, yeah it's really good oh nice i'll definitely check those out how, how are you tracking you mentioned your calories that you burn are you using an iwatch or a fitbit or yeah I've got, the, I've got an apple watch um which I mean, you know, you've known me for a while now. I've got a couple of nice watches that I've been like handed down over the time through brands that basically couldn't afford to work with me. So I went, hey, I'll give you a watch. Um, so I've got a few really nice watches. I just don't wear them now because the Apple Watch really? tracks my calories and um, it tells me how active I've been. Like it, it also gives me like a challenge to just stand up for at least one minute every hour, you know. Um, and it's, it's really good just to keep an eye on how... Um, much you're moving and as much as my other watches are beautiful and like sexy pieces of art they don't function in the same way and I, I like knowing what I'm up to and I like having that feedback I don't like it buzzing every five seconds when I get a text message though that really annoys me you haven't you haven't gone to double watching yet then like my dad <laughs> I, the thing is right here's my problem with it because if I go to an event you know, if I go to like a black tie thing, and obviously I don't want to wear my iWatch, my yeah. Apple Watch, I, w I want to wear my nice watch. But if I take my Apple Watch off, what's tracking my calories? What's knowing that I'm standing up? What's knowing, you know what I mean? Uh, it doesn't suddenly, my, that day is only going to have half the data. And I, uh, <laughs> I like knowing. You're addicted to the data. I, I am addicted to the data, yeah. You don't, you don't want to know about those calories from the champagne, mate. <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah, that's very true. Uh, cool. Okay. Well, I, I just one last topic before we wrap up. Uh, I've seen yeah. certainly when I first met you, you had a uh, an electric car, and I, I've seen yeah. recently that one of your New Year's resolutions is to reduce your meat intake, which I'm also mm -hmm. um, also working on, struggling with, but working on. Um, <laughs> and uh, I think you did work with the WWF around palm oil last year as well. So sustainability <laughs> seems to be something that is. Um, a passion of yours or, or think something that you think is uh, is is very important where, where does that come from is it something that's growing in importance to you how how are you how are you fitting that into uh into your life yeah i i think it's probably the most important issue we face as 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 a as a species you know like there's no point in us all fixing our mental health if we've got no planet to live on because we won't have mental health at all we don't have our built bodies to be in because we'll all be dead um so yeah. i think it's 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 the single most important issue of our time um and it's literally a case of if we don't fix it we will all die <laughs> but it'll be slow and it'll be miserable and we'll starve to death or we'll burn to death but we're gonna go yeah. um and i want to have a kid soon and and you know what we're talking the not too distant future that one i think there's a point at 2050 that if we haven't reached a certain um like turning point by by then the, the world's going to just kick us off and go you know what well i can't maintain you anymore there's 
essentially comes down to the science-y sort of greenhouse gas stuff, but there'll be a point where the world can no longer absorb the carbon that we're putting out and it will go, right, well, pff, give up then. And it'll just then from that point yeah. on, just irreversible. Yeah, it's called the hothouse effect. Um, and that terrifies me because it's now 2020, right? If I have a kid soon, that kid's going to be 30. They'll probably be thinking about having their own kid by the time that they no longer have a planet they can sustain. You know, yeah. that's terrifying so it will be my grandkids that will be living in this awful world that will probably end up destroying them um and i don't want that to be what i leave behind um and so it's so important i mean listen i'm not expecting us all to live in tree houses i'm not kind of expecting us all to go back to our roots and not produce carbon I travel, you know, I travel all the time. It's well, when, when we can travel, it, it's part of my job and I, and I love doing it, but I will make sure that I enjoy my existence, but I also, um, give back. So, you know, as a, because I know I travel so much, I carbon offset for about six people because I know that my job comes with a fair amount of carbon. And I actually think I give, I carbon offset much more than my, um, expenditure you know how much I, I'm not sure how much i'd expend yeah even yeah. if i were traveling a lot um, and, and there wasn't a pandemic because i can afford to basically and and what else what what better can you do <laughs> than make sure that the, the world is still functioning so yeah i'm trying to reduce my meat intake and yeah like you i struggle because it's so easy to go oh i really want like a burger uh, yeah. and i like it i'm not gonna i'm not gonna not eat meat i'm just gonna eat less and i'm gonna be more responsible um I... Any, any good switches you found on that on that topic? Because the thing I really struggle, I tried to go, I tried to go fully vegan. I think last year, um, and I love the the main thing for me is the quality of the ingredients and like eating whole foods, non processed right. foods. And I just found like, what are my options? I've got beans, and that's about it. Like I just ate falafel like twenty four seven, which has side yeah, effects. It also takes so much time. prep. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, totally. And it also takes so much prep. Like be, be, being a, uh, a vegan requires um, a whole life change for me because I, you know, you, you have to constantly think ahead about your meals and you have to prepare things. And that's not really the way I operate. And I'm going, oh, I'm hungry now. So I go to the kitchen and I just sort of make something or mm. whatever. Um, I, that is not, it's a whole, mind a whole mindset shift. And it's something I'm, I, I'm working on, but it's not, same as you know all the mental health we were talking about i'm so used to living my life that way i can't just suddenly change yeah. um, it takes time and effort but i am um, yeah making more conscious decisions i also like you i'm very conscious of what goes in i don't want to eat a bunch of mush i like when i cook Texture. typically i cook yeah when i cook typically i, I cook with full ingredients like it's a pepper because what else yeah. can go in a pepper but a pepper, you know what i mean yeah. i don't, I, don't I want to know that my food isn't just processed um that said there are a bunch of good meat substitutes that are processed obviously but they are high in protein they're um actually not too dissimilar to the taste and texture of meat so i've actually been working with a brand called um naked glory uh and their stuff's really good i they're really? uh they've got burgers which are like beef burger substitutes and i made one and i can barely tell the difference um same with their sausages uh, i haven't tried the full range but they're the, the two things that i've had and, and actually really obviously i went when they inquired about working with me i was like well send me some stuff and let me try it because i'm obviously not going to talk about it if i don't like it but i was 
really, really um, pleasantly surprised. So there are plenty of opportunities and, and, and it's getting easier. Like I know um, supermarkets, uh, restaurants are now feeling the pressure from people going, I don't want to eat meat anymore. What do you have instead? Yeah. Um, so it is, it is it's totally getting easier, but it's something that I'm in general trying to do, just reduce my carbon footprint. So I, I, I don't drive. I walk everywhere unless I'm going out of London, in which case I'll drive. Um, I don't use plastic. I, I'd rather go thirsty than, than, than drink out of a plastic bottle. At the end of the day, I was caught short. I had, didn't bring my, my, um, my reusable bottle with me. And I was like, yeah. I'm really thirsty. And I was like, I'm an hour from home. I can just suck it up and drink it. I'll drink a gallon when I get home. I just didn't want to use that single-use plastic. So, yeah, um, yeah it's, it's a... I saw a person today shopping. I was, I was in the supermarket and a person filled up their basket with like two litre bottles, a bunch of them of water. And I was like, who are you and what are you doing? Like, we don't do that anymore. What's wrong do with you? you? Have a water supply um, home. <laughs> they had a whole, a whole basket full. I'm like, just use your bloody tap, you nutcase. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, so it's something no, that's definitely agree. on my mind. Water bottle, water bottle, or single-use water bottle guilt is a real thing for me now. <laughs> I can't, I can't bring but myself. I think to buy one. I've got my always got my trusty bottle next to me, uh, even though I keep on losing. Me them. too. But uh, but I think it, I think it should be uh, an element of guilt in a way because that's what's going to uh, make the difference. Because if if I didn't feel guilt about it, I'd go and drink out of a plastic bottle and not care. Um, so it's definitely. I think there's definitely an element of that. And it's just a responsibility we all have. And I think people in my position where I have, I'm not living hand to mouth. I'm not constantly thinking about um, just how I pay my gas bill and stuff. I've got the, men, the, the, the freedom and the finances to do my bit. So that's why I offset for enough for about six people, because I'm, I'm hoping that it'll be six people that otherwise can't, you know? Yeah, um, And it's, it's really, it's important to me, yeah. Well, I know I, I tried to send you some of my uh, my plastic-free toothpaste parlor at the beginning of the first lockdown, if you remember. So um, I'll, yeah. I've got I've got some here. I'll make sure I send this uh, send this over to you because I'm sure <laughs> it sounds like uh, you would uh, massively appreciate it because it's uh, yeah. Well, because, do you know what? There's I mean, someone you've been to Borneo, right? And you've seen the palm, the devastation of like palm oil deforestation and all that sort of stuff. Um, it's yeah. it was it was one of the main driving factors for us creating this product because um most people aren't aware that almost all toothpaste on the market have palm oil in them uh, and they're not vegan and they're obviously housed in single-use plastic that lasts for 500 years <laughs> yeah yeah it's really important there, there is someone in the royal mail now with like the, the sparkliest teeth because uh, <laughs> <laughs> your is never, never, never reached me. But yeah you're, you're yeah. totally right i think things like that it's it's something that is like a, it's an everyday thing right we all brush our teeth twice a day we're supposed to the dentist will tell you, um, you know, and it's like you don't even think about the impact that, you t that your toothpaste is having on the environment. But it is. It's got a plastic cap. It comes in a plastic tube. Um, yeah. You know, there's palm oil in it. it, it it's uh, the things that we use every day that we just take for granted. So, you know, even our, our, there are some really good ideas now, like, you know, Wild to do a great deodorant. That is, I, I um, use it. I use free. it. Right. You've yeah, got your, 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 your toothpaste tabs now. There are more and more... Um, brands that are conscious and i will buy them over the usual stuff because i just want to make sure that i'm not just increasing landfill yeah it, it's switching out of our classic 80s mentality isn't it i mean we're, we're kids of the yeah. 80s and it's uh, these are the brands that we grew up with and that we are to be honest we, with many of them we we have a an affection for them for the sentimentality of it 
uh, and it's right. quite it's quite difficult moving away from them, isn't it? Sometimes, but it's also it's kind of a new. It's not new in that uh, it's been happening for a while, but it's fairly new in our minds. This crisis, people. I remember being a kid and no one knew about even the ozone layer and things like that. Do you remember that was quite new? But yeah, you know the whole plastic thing. That's only really become five ten years, uh, literally. Yeah, like it's become a problem. You know, probably a little bit before that, but a problem that's been. Uh, documented and and been such an issue that you know it's on all of us now it's it's yeah it's not a lot you know um so it's it's i think new issues require new uh new brands basically to fix it absolutely hopefully we can deliver on that wicked mm-hmm. well one one last question and this is the uh, the question that i'm gonna ask everyone at the end of the uh, the talk um uh-huh. what's the what's the one small change that you that you have made that you you wish you made earlier in life and you're only, um, only allowed one. We've talked about a lot of big topics. Here. Okay. <laughs> so at, at the moment, I think COVID has taught me that a small change is to like bring my head up here and there. Uh, stop focusing on where you're going and actually enjoy what you've got because I, I've got a lot. And I'm not talking about stuff, but I've got a lot. You know, I've got a wonderful family. I've got a wonderful fiance. I've got um, great friends. I, the stuff that actually really matters, I have in abundance and. I take it for granted sometimes. So it's about, I think for me, my, my one small change has been to um, bring my head up from my laptop or my notebook or my camera or whatever it is um, and go, oh, you know what? The, the, the world's pretty good for me and enjoy what I've got. Brilliant. Well, I think we can all, I think we all need to do a little bit more of that. Certainly that speaks uh, directly down the camera to me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right, man. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for giving us the time. I think it's been an absolutely okay. incredible, incredible chat uh, as I knew it would be really, really uh, far ranging and very, very insightful. So thanks a lot. Uh, I look forward to seeing thanks, you mate. again in person soon. And, yeah, uh, you've got yeah. to fix my tooth. I've chipped it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get you down to get that sorted. All right, yeah, mate. mate. See, See you later. soon. Bye. Take it easy, guys. Hi guys, Simon again here. Just one more thing before you guys go. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I really hope it gave you an immense amount of value. If I could ask just one thing of you all, please subscribe to the podcast, please share it, please write a review if you enjoyed it. Please talk to your friends about it. The bigger the podcast gets, the better the guests I can get on and the more value I can give back to you all. So that's it from me. I'll see you on the next one. And until next time, enjoy the ride.